Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, brought to you by Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, the broadcast about timely and important legal issues affecting the insurance industry. I'm John Zuba, editor of Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Joining me today is Brendan Noonan from our communications team. We're pleased to have with us today attorney Megan Grant from the law firm of Colony Fast, Tellenfeld, Karlinski, and Abate in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Megan practices in the area of insurance regulation and compliance. She advises clients on governmental issues, insurance regulation, transactional, and corporate law. Megan, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Recently, the Florida legislator passed a law requiring either the CEO or CFO of a property insurer to certify the company's annual rate filing. Our topic today centers on the increased liability of directors and officers created by corporate laws and how this impacts and pertains to the insurance industry. Brandon Noonan leads off today with our first question. Uh, yes, uh, Megan, please tell us a little bit about the uh, Sarbanes-Oxley Act, uh, which impacted corporate governance requirements. Okay. Well, the Sarbanes-Oxley Act was enacted in 2002 in the wake of numerous corporate and accounting scandals, such as those concerning Enron, Tyco, and WorldCom, to name a few. Sarbanes-Oxley, or SOX, as it's commonly referred to, introduced significant changes to corporate governance requirements, federal disclosure laws, and oversight of public accounting firms. In particular, SOX requires CEOs and CFOs to certify the accuracy of periodic reports containing the financial statements filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission, or the SEC. Under the final rules adopted by the SEC implementing the certification requirement, the principal executive officer and principal financial officer must now certify in each annual or quarterly report, as well as any amendments to these reports, certain things, including that, one, the officer reviewed the report, Two, based on the officer's knowledge, the report does not contain any untrue statement of a material fact or omit to state a material fact and is not misleading with respect to the period covered by the report. And three, based on the officer's knowledge, the financial statements and other financial information included in the report fairly present in all material respects the financial condition, results of operation, and cash flows of the company for the periods presented in the report. The SEC emphasized that the certification goes beyond compliance with generally accepted accounting principles to a much broader standard of overall material accuracy and completeness. In adopting the rules, the SEC stated that it considers a fair presentation of an entity's financial condition, results of operation, and cash flow is one that encompasses the selection of appropriate accounting policies, the proper application of appropriate accounting policies, disclosure of financial information that is truly informative and reasonably reflects the underlying transaction and events, and finally, the inclusion of any additional disclosure necessary in order to provide investors with a materially accurate and complete picture of the financial condition, results of operation, and cash flow. The certification required by SOX must be made based on the knowledge of the certifying officer, and thus, ignorance is not a defense to the charge of falsely certifying a report if the certifying officer should have known that the certification was false. As a result, SOX creates a heavy burden on CEOs and CFOs to become personally aware of material information on a timely basis. It also makes it difficult to argue in any investigation that the CEO or CFO, in fact, had no knowledge of material information that was available. SOX does not include a diligence standard, and the penalties under SOX only apply to certifying statements that the officer knows to be false. However, some diligence by the certifying officer is necessary to demonstrate that the officer made the statements in good faith, even if they later proved to be false. Okay. Uh, how does this specifically impact the insurance industry? 
Well, despite industry opposition, the National Association of Insurance Commissioners, or NEIC, amended its model audit rule to include SOX-like requirements. These amendments include auditor independence, corporate governance, and internal control over financial reporting. States are considering adoption of the new provisions, either through legislative changes or through regulations. The purpose of the NAIC's amendment to its model audit rule is to improve the state insurance department's surveillance of the financial condition of insurers. Any individual or standalone non-public company, including insurance companies, captive insurance companies, nonprofit insurers, or health plans that file an annual statement with their domiciliary state regulator is affected. Once adopted by the states, the first management's report of internal control over financial reporting will be due in 2011 for the 2010 reporting period. This new era of accountability through certification is spreading. Officers of property insurance companies in Florida now have additional certification requirements. During a special legislative session in 2007, the Florida legislature enacted a provision requiring a CEO or CFO of a property insurer to certify the insurer's rate filings. This new provision, codified at Section 627.062, subsection 9A, became effective on March 1, 2007. Under this new statute, the CEO or CFO certification of rate filings must be made under oath and is subject to the penalty of perjury. The CEO or CFO must certify that, one, the signing officer reviewed the rate filing, Two, based on the signing officer's knowledge, the rate filing does not contain any untrue statements of material fact or omit to state a material fact. Three, based on the signing officer's knowledge, the information and other factors, such as investment income, fairly represent in all material respects the basis of the rate filing for the periods presented in the filing. And four, based on the signing officer's knowledge, the rate filing reflects all premium savings that are reasonably expected to result from legislative enactments and are in accordance with generally accepted and reasonable actuarial techniques. This certification requirement presents a difficult dilemma for certifying officers of property insurers. Rate filings are based on actuarial science, which most certifying officers are aware of but not formally educated in. So the question arises regarding what exactly does the term knowledge mean for the certifying officer and how is that satisfied? Unfortunately, the Florida legislature did not provide any guidance in this regard. So we in turn look to the business judgment rule for some insight. Uh, Megan, can you expand further on that business judgment rule in Florida? Sure. Corporate officers and directors are charged with certain fiduciary duties owed to the corporation. The business judgment rule provides directors with immunity from liability to the corporation for any losses incurred in corporate transactions, provided that the transactions are made in good faith with reasonable skill and prudence and within the director's authority. The business judgment rule is codified in Florida at Section 607.0830 of the Florida Statutes. The rule provides that corporate directors are entitled to rely on information, opinions, reports, or statements, including financial statements and other financial data, if it's prepared or presented by either one or more officers or employees of the corporation whom the director reasonably believes to be reliable and competent in the matters presented, or legal counsel, public accountants, or other persons as to matters the director reasonably believes are within the person's professional or expert competence, or a committee of the board of directors of which he or she is not a member if the director reasonably believes the committee merits confidence. It's important to keep in mind, however, that the director must be acting in good faith. 
a director is deemed to not be acting in good faith if he or she has knowledge concerning the matter in question that makes the reliance on others unwarranted. The codification of the business judgment rule in Florida applies to directors only. Officers are not included in the statutory protection. Instead, Section 607.0841 of the Florida statutes addresses the duties of officers and refers to the corporation's bylaws. As a result, a corporation that wants to extend the protection of the business judgment rule to its officers should include such protection in its bylaws, and many Florida corporations have chosen to do this. Now, Megan, why do they make a distinction between corporate officers and corporate directors? Well, that's a good question, and it happens to be the subject of a somewhat contentious debate. One school of thought is that there should not be a distinction between officers and directors. This position is based on the belief that officers owe strong fiduciary duties because, unlike corporate directors, they are agents of the corporation. As a result, they should be afforded the protection of the business judgment rule when acting within their authority. The American Law Institute, in its Principles of Corporate Governance, applies the business judgment rule to both officers and directors without distinction, noting that sound public policy points in the direction of holding officers to the same duty of care and business judgment standard as directors, and relies on case authority and the views of commentators in support of its position. Also noteworthy is the Model Business Corporation Act, which again extends the business judgment rule protection to both officers and directors alike, stating that the business judgment rule will normally apply to decisions within an officer's discretionary authority. On the other side of the debate are those who contend that the rationale behind the business judgment rule supports its application to directors only. For example, one of the basic purposes of the rule is to encourage individuals to serve as directors by lessening the risk of liability for decisions that, as hindsight may indicate, were imprudent. Officers, by contrast, should accept more risk because they are full-time career executives, they arguably have more and better information than directors do, they wield great influence inside and outside the company, and they generally receive greater compensation than directors, which is often substantially performance-based. As a result, it is argued that officers should be held more accountable for their actions. So as you can see, both sides of the debate offer compelling arguments in support of their positions, and there is quite a bit of scholarly material addressing the issue. How will companies respond to this? Well, the first step is to determine whether statutory protection of the business judgment rule applies to officers in the state in question. We already know in Florida that the business judgment rule is limited to directors only. So Florida companies that want to extend the protection of the business judgment rule to its officers, and now particularly insurance companies in Florida for its CEOs and CFOs who have to certify rate filings, should review their bylaws and include this protection for officers in the bylaws if it does not already exist. In any event, for officers faced with certifying annual or quarterly reports or now rate filings, we recommend they follow certain guidelines to protect themselves from liability. And some of these guidelines include that the certifying officer should act with utmost good faith. The reports or rate filings to be certified should be prepared by competent, credentialed, and licensed professionals. The certifying officer should be confident in and able to articulate the qualifications of the professionals relied upon to support the argument that the certifying officer is reasonable in his or her reliance on said professionals. The certifying officer and professional staff should meet to discuss the report or rate filings to be certified, including the basis for the report filing. These do not have to be lengthy tutorial sessions on accounting or actuarial science, but rather they should be more along the lines of a narrative summary explanation. 
The certifying officer should review the report or rate filing and any other supporting narrative documentation filed in support of the report or rate filing. The professional staff should send drafts of the report or rate filing documents to the certifying officer well in advance of when they are filed in order to allow the certifying officer ample time to review them. Certifying officers should not accept receipt of these documents at the last minute because the certifying officer who is forced to certify the filing without adequate time to review it will have difficulty establishing that he or she was able to give critical thought to its contents. And finally, certifying officers should ask questions about any uncertainties or concerns and keep a record of the fact that they asked questions and commented on the documents. If these recommendations are filed, the certifying officer will be in a better position to argue that he or she reasonably relied on professional staff that has the appropriate experience and credentials to justify the reliance, and that they took the necessary and reasonable steps to familiarize themselves with the documents certified, such that the certification is made in good faith. Now, are other states watching these matters closely? You know, I can't really say for sure whether they are or not, but certainly these are issues that should be considered by states and companies alike. This is particularly true in this day and age when officer accountability continues to increase through certification requirements. States should consider whether there should be a statutory protection of the business judgment rule to officers as well as directors. And companies should research whether its officers and directors are statutorily protected by the business judgment rule, and if not, decide whether to extend that protection through the corporation's bylaws. Finally, certifying officers should be aware of their responsibility in providing required certifications and take the necessary steps to protect themselves in providing those certifications. Okay, Megan, thanks very much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thank you. That was Megan Grant, an associate at Colony Fast, Tellenfeld, Karlinski, and Abate in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Special thanks to Brendan Noonan from our communications team and to our producer, Brian Cohen. And thank you all for joining us for the Insurance Law Podcast. To subscribe to this audio program, visit podcast.insuranceattorneysearch.com or go to online directories such as iTunes or Google or Yahoo's podcast directory. If you have any suggestions for a future topic regarding an insurance law case or issue, please email us at lawpodcast.ambest.com. I'm John Zuba, joined by Brendan Noonan, and now this message. BEST's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is used by decision makers at insurance companies responsible for selecting legal counsel and representation. The printed directory is distributed annually to insurance companies, non-insurance companies, third-party administrators, and corporate counsel around the world, and the online edition is accessible throughout the year. Your listing in BEST's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is the most effective way to ensure that thousands of potential clients have access to your outstanding credentials. Here's why you should be listed in the number one insurance attorney reference. Your firm's credentials will be listed in our comprehensive reference guide, which is made available to thousands of insurance professionals globally, both in print and online. AMBEST listees are recognized as the most qualified in their field to represent the unique needs of insurance companies. Key decision makers rely on the directory to take the guesswork out of their selection process. They know that only the best are listed, those firms with a proven track record of excellence who are recommended by their insurance industry clients. And remember, one low rate guarantees year-long long visibility for your firm. We invite you to use our web application process to apply for a listing today. With our reasonable rates and broad exposure, there's no more effective way to get the attention of the insurance industry. For more information about BEST's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys, visit www.insuranceattorneysearch.com. 